Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you tired of lugging around heavy, bulky tree stands, whether you're using a climber or a hang-on, and would prefer to hunt lighter and more mobile? If you said yes, then you need to check out the Tethered Mantis Saddle and Predator platform. For me, this uh, setup has done a couple things for me over the past year and a half. I've definitely been more mobile, lighter. And when you get into those situations where maybe the wind switches on you or whatever, and in, in years past, you didn't want to pull all your gear, it's because you didn't want to move it, didn't want to make additional noise and things of that nature. This kind of solved all those problems for me. And I'm able to kind of tear down quickly, make a move if I need to make a move and get set up uh, without losing a whole lot of hunting time. The other thing I do a lot more of with this is actually I, I'll still hunt my way through or just kind of go into an area where I'd like to check out. Scout with all my stuff on my back. It's super light, so I don't really even notice it. And I hunt to where I'm going, or I still hunt through to where I'm ultimately going to set up, which is a great benefit, has been a great benefit to me so far this year. If you're interested in all these things, then you need to head over to tetherednation.com, check out all their information related to saddle hunting, and release your inner tree ninja. First thing I do in the morning before a hunt is, of course, I have to have my morning coffee. And I'm sure most of you out there probably feel the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and, of course, donates 10% of their profits to conservation organizations who are helping us to secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. All right, if you listen to this uh, podcast for any length of time, you guys know that I am good friends with all the guys over at Exodus. And I want to give you a quick heads up that you should be checking out some of their content if you haven't already. They have a podcast out called Trail Cam Radio, and they release new episodes every Tuesday. So the day before you listen to this one, you could be listening to that one as well. They've done some deep dives with some great guests. Uh, you'll you'll recognize some of these names as Jeff Sturgis, Dan Enfault, and The Hunting Public. And they also jump into and talk to some uh, less-known hunters who consistently are getting it done many times on public land. Uh, if you prefer to watch podcasts, if you're looking for some video content, 
Uh, they have a YouTube channel as well, and that is packed, of course, with great videos and interviews. One of the most popular ones they did is a, a, a candid interview with John Eberhart. And uh, if you know anything about John, you always get the straight dope from him. And for my, for specifically my PA listeners, uh, they just recently posted a public land big woods interview with Steve Shirk, which I, which I consumed, and it is pretty awesome. This dude's killing hammers and getting on giant deer in in, in uh, Pennsylvania, so it's absolutely a a must listen. So if you're looking for more whitetail content, especially here during the course of the season, you just can't get enough. Uh, be sure to head over to their podcast, Trail Cam Radio, and their YouTube channel, Exodus Trail Cameras, and drop them a subscription or review, and let them know that Truth from the Stand sent you. If you're also in the market for a trail camera, uh, over the last four years, of course, Exodus has consistently showed they build quality trail cameras that flat out just work. Of course, the best trail camera warranty, period. Every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty and even comes with a theft and damage coverage. That's right, five years, literally half a decade, you'll be covered by the Exodus five-year warranty. But more than likely, you won't need it because the cameras are built to last. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number 147. Today, I'm bringing you the Iowa rut log number four, so stay tuned. All right, all right. What is going on out there? Hope everyone is doing well. Happy Wednesday to you. I think this is coming out on Wednesday. I'm, I'm starting to lose track of my days while I'm while I'm on this trip. Um, all I know is that I have quite a few days left to try to wrap a tag around an Iowa hammer. So uh, if you listened to yesterday's episode, uh, you know that I had an an encounter. I guess you might, you could call it uh, kind of. Uh, with a a large mammal, a large cervid, and the plan was to go into uh, today, and uh, or what day would that be? It would have been Tuesday uh, to go in in the morning and try to hunt that deer in the in the bed that I found him in. He was in a CRP field uh, in this little hedgerow. I kind of talked about it yesterday. I thought I had a chance to go back and try to kill him this morning uh, if I set up on the ground. So that's what I did. I hiked in early this morning. Uh, got into the, his bedding area and uh, and put a hunt on, on the ground. Unfortunately, you know, daybreak came and there was, uh, he was no-show Jones. He didn't show up, um, you know, it, well, first thing in the morning. I thought he'd be getting back to bed uh, early was what I was, was anticipating. And so when that didn't happen, I did a little rattling sequence, uh, et cetera, and ended up rattling in uh, a young deer, just a small, a small buck came in, uh, kind of checking things out and, uh, uh, and moved along his, his merry way. So hammer did not show up, but you know, there's, there's many deer in Iowa. I'm not kind of setting my heart on any one deer and, uh, spending time unnecessarily kind of dwelling on one particular animal that I have zero history with. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'll take a, I guess a line from my buddy, Josh Prophet and basically say that I'm, I'm hunting like a coyote. Um, I'm hunting for opportunity and uh, he didn't show up, so then I decided to kind of push forward and see if I could make my opportunity um, elsewhere. So uh, I, I think I, I, I got up. Well, when I when I walked in, I packed everything in. So I had sticks with me. I had my saddle on, which is another just a killer you know aspect of the saddle. It's like I was able to kind of walk in 
um, with the saddle on and I could hunt from the ground and then make a move midday and then go hunt from a tree, you know, and, and scout because it's, you know, it's, it's light. It's, I'm not carrying a huge stand around. Um, so what I did was there was, I, I did ultimately want to make it to that next set of timber because it's connected to some ag and I, and I, I wanted to get up toward that ag just to kind of check out and see what that actually looked like. It looked like it was potentially good, uh, whenever I was looking at the map online or on my app. Um, and so I wanted to kind of put boots on the ground and, and, and check it out. And I also wanted to check out more of that general area. So probably around 10 o'clock I got up and started walking, uh, headed over to that line of timber. I didn't really like what was right in front of me. So then I started heading up toward the, uh, headed up toward the ag. And as I got up there, it got a little bit better, but there was, there was, a, I found five scrapes that were all open. Um, uh, but it was on this, uh, this little access road that's on the public um, it's the weirdest thing cause it's the only part on the, anywhere that I've been this point that's actually mowed and somewhat manicured. Um, and there were five scrapes along that and like a rub here and there. So being that it was so close to ag, I really didn't want to spend a hunt on that because I felt like it was probably going to be mostly nighttime activity. Um, and so what I ended up doing was, is, you know, instead of going back out the way I came in, I decided to kind of take a large loop around and check out the entire thing. I found a couple more couple more scrapes they were all kind of in similar areas and a lot of this area it's like crp with like these scrubby little trees kind of placed everywhere so it's kind of hard to hunt in in general unless you hunt the timber line looking out into the crp which i could do um there is one place that intrigued me i didn't go into it today because i had the complete wrong wind i had a west wind today which was great for my ground setup but the area if i was sitting in if i was sitting on the ground where i was hunting this morning and I have have a west wind blowing into my face, and if I guess directly to the left of me, there was a little like brushy area, gnarly kind of area that butted up right up against the timber line. And if I were going to check anything out, that'd probably be where I would I would look because it's it's this really brushy area at the bottom of this ridge, and then there's a power line that goes up over this ridge. Um, that seems to be pretty thick too. And I imagine it's probably, you know, a lot of bedding throughout that. And I know the brushy stuff down below me, I'm sure there's, it's a lot of bedding down there. Um, and that would be one place, you know, at some point I wouldn't mind throwing a hunt out, but I have a few other places that I know a little bit about, um, that I know the caliber of deer that are in those particular areas that I'm a little bit more intrigued by. Um, so I ended up wrapping that scout up and I think it was around 11, eh, 12 o'clock, I guess. Um, I pulled out of there and I decided to head over to an area close to where I hunted the first night, um, or the first, first day. And and that general area, um, you know, John has some history with, and I, and just from talking to him and from what I had seen on the truck cameras that we have in there, that's the spot that I've kind of generally stayed out of the past couple of days as the weather got a little warmer, uh, because I'm going to plan to do some all day sits in that general location, probably starting tomorrow. Um, just in talking to John, you know, he knows, you know, just from watching it for the past couple of years, you know, between the sixth and the 10th, you know, he's like, he has a Magnum buck that walks through there, a Magnum Iowa buck that walks through there every year between the sixth and the 10th. Um, and so it's one of those things that if you just go in and you put your time in, in that area on, you know, on those dates, um, you're probably going to see a really quality deer walk through there. Um, to quote John, he said, if he would have sat there any one of the three years that he's lived here and did all day sits between the 6th and the 10th, he would have killed his biggest buck ever. Any one of those years. 
Um, so I'm going to put some time in, uh, in at that location, uh, beginning, beginning tomorrow. So there's a spot that we scouted that's a little further South of that, of that area. Um, you know, so, you know, you could have the same, same deer. I just didn't want to burn out, you know, a, a particular spot, but I wanted to be in the same general area. So it's a little far, further of a hike, a hike down you know, to the, to the very bottom of this horse trail that kind of goes the whole way to the, to the, to the bottom. There's a, a hay field that's down there and I'm not sure what's in it. It's private. So I can't get over and to, to kind of check it out. Um, but I remember whenever John and I walked through that in March when we were scouting, he kind of took me through, you know, we went shed hunting, we found a shed and he showed me like a couple of the setups, um, that he, that he's liked in the past and some areas I probably want to focus on. Um, you know, when I was getting ready, you know, this fall. And then we kind of hiked out the, the, the rest of that bottom and went over onto this ridge. It was a little further to the, I guess, to the West. Um, so I made my way down there and I really didn't have a plan as to where I was going to set up. I just knew the general area and I kind of got down to the bottom of that horse trail, kind of cut into the timber. I knew it was the evening. So I kind of wanted to stay, you know, a hundred yards or so off the corner of that, of that field, just because I knew if I was going to see any movement, it was probably going to be doe movement that was coming from above me, kind of making their way to that field. And then if there are does moving through, you know, there'd be a chance there might be a buck, you know, or two following by or following close behind. So that was really what my game plan was. And, uh, got in there set up. I think I got, I think I walked away from my truck around one o'clock. It took me, I think 45 ish minutes to get in there and then locate a tree and ultimately get, you know, get up in the tree. Um, got, got all settled in and didn't see any deer, zero movement, which wasn't entirely shocking. You know, at, at, it's a little warm today. And I thought, you know, which is exactly why I kind of went there. I was like, if I'm going to spend a hunt somewhere, I don't want to burn out. I don't want to be in a spot that I feel is primed to pop. Um, and so that's why I went to this location. But that being said, right around 3.45, I just happened to hear a stick break, look behind me, and I see tines going through the brush. Um, at that moment, I wasn't sure if it was a shooter or not. I had a hard time being able to tell or see what it, what exactly it was. Um, so I just immediately grabbed my bow, and it was looking like it was going to come off to my right side. It's coming from behind me, so I'm getting set up to potentially take a shot to my right. And then I peek back behind me again, and it's now it's moving to my left. So then I set up to potentially take a shot from the left, back to the right. You get the picture. <laughs> he ended up coming to my left, and that entire time, it's like I could see his body, and he looked like he was probably a three-and-a-half-year-old. Um, But I never got a clean look at his, at his rack. Like, f- from what I could tell at that moment, he was borderline for me, you know, borderline shooter, um, and it, it, a tank of a body. And he did give me one shot opportunity at about 17 yards, but by the time he got there, I hadn't, I wasn't able to spin back around to my to my left to ultimately set up for the shot, and I still hadn't determined whether or not I wanted to shoot him. Um, everything kind of happened pretty quickly. So uh, he got behind some brush. He got downwind of me. Um, he didn't blow out of there. He just got you know stiff legged, like you could tell he didn't like something. He just kind of walked off up on top of the ridge and was and was gone. Cool encounter. Uh, big deer, you know, good looking, good looking animal. Um, just wasn't sure in terms of, you know, rack size, what he, what he was. Um, so some time goes by and it was about four 30 and that happened about three 45, three 30, three 45, something like that. And four 30, I look at my, you know, my phone and it's like four 30. So I, I say to myself, 
I'm going to go ahead and do one last rattling sequence here at 4.30. Sunset's around 5 o'clock. You know, that way, rattle, hang out for the next half hour, 45 minutes, and then around 5.15, it's like I can't see my pins anymore at that point. So then um, start pulling my stuff and get out of the tree, right? So hit the rattling sequence, and then I'm sitting waiting. And I started hearing some noise up on the ridge. I didn't think it was that the deer that I had just seen not too long ago because I figured, you know, he got spooky and, and walked off. And then I saw a flicker in the brush and looked like a deer, put the binos on it, couldn't see it. It, it was behind brush. It was too thick at that point. I couldn't see anything. And then I heard walking again, which clearly wasn't a squirrel. You know, it, it was that deliberate kind of cadence that a, that a deer has that you recognize when you know there's a deer that's nearby. Then finally he popped out into the open and I could see it was actually a deer. It was a buck. I wasn't sure if it was the same buck or not. And he was behind brush and I still couldn't tell how big he was. Um, all I knew is he had many tines, um, just not sure of the size. So he walks down the side of the ridge a little bit and he just stops again. And every time he would stop, like he would get hung up behind brush to where I could see his entire body and I could see his tines, but I couldn't see his head and like the full rack. And so I gave him a grunt to try to get him to commit and come in. He stood there, so I snort wheezed at him, and he got all jacked up, ripped up a tree, ripped up some brush, thrashing his head around, and then started walking toward me. And I was like, sweet, this is going to happen. At this point, he was still kind of in the brush to where I still couldn't see him, but he was making his way towards me. He stopped again. I gave him another snort wheeze. He ripped up some more brush and a tree, and then he committed and was on his way in. And I finally got a clean look at him. He's a nine-point. Uh, he was probably borderline 125, 130, something like that. It's the way I kind of, you know, my perspective is that he was about the same size as the the deer that I shot in Ohio two years ago. And he ended up coming down and stopping at like 25 yards uh, there was a tree between me and him, and I just kind of stopped messing with him at that point because I recognized I wasn't going to shoot him. And then he he got a little spooky because he was like, "Hey, I heard some tine tickling down here. I heard 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 deer fighting. I heard someone snort wheezing and, and and grunting at me." And I get down here, and there's no deer. And so he got a little spooky and stiff legged his way out and 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 walked away. And that was pretty much my evening hunt, which was super cool because I've you know, I've never been able to you know I've rattled in a buck every day since I've been here. And that was the first time I've ever snort wheezed a deer into, into bow range, which was, which was super cool. And he was a, a, a nice looking buck. Um, you know, most anywhere else, it's like, I would have been glad to, glad to put an arrow in him. Um, but just wasn't what I was looking for out here. And then, uh, John of course, isn't on, on this, uh, on this episode, he's at, he's at home. I'm doing this from my cabin. But just to give you a quick update of what he had going on today, he had a great encounter with a 145-150 class uh, deer that he has some history with. Um, he he let it walk, let it pass as he's uh, he's got one particular deer in mind that he's trying to uh, that he's trying to kill, um, which is pretty cool. So he 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 grunted him in, uh, called him in from uh, a couple hundred yards away. Actually, he saw him first thing in the morning. Uh, hit the antlers, give him, give him a little tickle. He didn't like it headed into the edge, headed to the edge of the timber. Um, but you know, he gave him a little grunt and then he walked into the timber and that was about it. And then a little while later he ended up popping back out and then John threw a call at him and got him to commit and come in with, come into bow range, uh, to where he could then finally see which buck exactly that it was 
Um, it's a three and a half year old that he has a little history with. That's probably mid one one forty five, one fifty, um, which will be a great deer if he makes it through this year. And I think that's kind of John's plan is to let that deer hopefully live to uh, to live to see another year and put on some more inches. So that is the update from Iowa. The plan for tomorrow is uh, I'm headed into the location that I hunted the first day that I was here where we have a couple cameras deployed. We have a couple of deer on camera from October through, you know, just a cut from a couple of days ago. Um, there is one particular deer that's calling that place uh, home, so to speak. Um, he's a pretty clean eight, and I would say he's probably a mid, he's probably 150 inches. Um, so for an eight point, he's a very, very large deer. I'm not holding out for him. Um, I'll say it again. I'm hunting kind of like a coyote for opportunity. And the first good deer I see that kind of meets my criteria, gets my, my blood pumping, will uh, will meet the business end of a day six arrow. So I'm hoping that I release one tomorrow. Uh, if not, then we'll be back after it the day after that. But that is the update from Iowa. I'm going to try to stay on schedule with these and keep these coming out. I hope you guys are digging them. I always like doing them and kind of recapping the day and kind of reliving what happened during the during the, uh, the the course of the day. So thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'd be super appreciative if you do those two things for us. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, Gumleaf USA Boots, Obsession Bows, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.